Um, I'm curious, actually, um, when we talk about growth and value, um, you know, all, all segments of the market have a good mix of both. But, um, you know, the, one of the better performing sectors, obviously, and, and something we cover a lot here and you cover in detail over the last couple of years is, is the, the energy sector, in particular green energies. And I'm seeing um, a lot of green energy funds start to hit my inbox. I think I saw a... Um, I think I saw there's a, a, a new green energy fund doing an IPO, I think, looking to list on the London Stock Exchange soon. I, I saw that pop up on primary bid. Um, what, what's, what's the impact if there is a if there is a this this rotation from growth to value? Is that how's that gonna is that gonna hurt the energy sector? Is that is that going to you know make a whole bunch of you know very select opportunities even more attractive? What's what are your thoughts on how this is gonna play out in the in the energy and green energy sector? Welcome to the Exponential Investor Podcast. Want to be a better, smarter, more clued up investor? Well, you've come to the right place. We cover the breakthrough investment ideas you don't hear about in the mainstream to keep you on top of the megatrends and opportunities reshaping our world. Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Exponential Investor Podcast. I'm your editor, Sam Volker, here with my co-editor, Kit Winder. Uh, Unfortunately, you don't get to see Kit's beautiful face today. He's having some technical difficulties with his video. Uh, And you won't be seeing Kit for another couple of weeks afterwards. Uh, He's going on leave, so I'll have... Uh, a couple of ring-in special guests over the next couple of weeks uh, to to take Kit's place until he makes a triumphant return to us in a few weeks' time. But anyway, thanks for joining us, Kit, um, before you head off for a couple of weeks. Now, the market uh, is what, well, we sort of just, just mentioned this before we started today. Uh, it's in a bit of a bounce at the moment because the... Fed has, you know, made a few comments about things and then... Uh, this week, the U.S. year-on-year December inflation rate um, topped seven percent, which I believe is the highest it's been in forty years, which um, is astonishing but not unexpected. Um, but what do we what do we make of all this? Is this is this a dead cat bounce? Is this going to just head lower, or are we seeing a bit of a resurgence with people? I guess coming to the realization that while uh, money has been very cheap. Um, and even though the Fed may be looking to raise rates, they're not really going to do it much. So money's going to stay pretty cheap for a very long time. Um, it feels like that's that's a bit of the sentiment going around. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting and a busy week. I think the week sort of started with actually the resignation of a Fed governor, Clarida, who uh, was found to have done even more uh, suspicious trading, I guess, if you can put it that way, on his account during the very... Uh, high pressured moments of the pandemic just before the Fed was about to step in and save the markets. It was paid before, literally, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was quite extraordinary. And, you know, we're talking millions of pounds, millions of dollars. Uh, And then we had uh, Jerome Powell's nomination. um, And he said some things there that calmed people down and markets bounced. So the Nasdaq was down 2.5% on Tuesday and recovered to end the day positive, which is sort of it's a pretty major event doesn't happen um and then as you say yeah on wednesday the the dreaded seven percent came through which is obviously completely different to 6.8 percent you know the difference is dramatic uh so suddenly people are worried um but it's just quite interesting i mean the bounce is sort of back towards tech and things like that um and it's probably not a dead cat bounce because that's 
what you uh, what you see nearer towards the bottom. But it was, you know, it is a measure that even within a larger trend, people can sort of accelerate too far in one direction. And um, at the start of this year, it had been a pretty swift downward panic for sort of the most egregiously overpriced stocks, which tend to have been in the sort of tech and growth sectors. And it had even affected the big five a bit, your Microsofts, Apples, Googles, Netflixes, uh, and the like. Um, and so probably now the question is kind of the rotation from growth to value is now pretty well established and underway. Last year, the performance of uh, value stocks, banks, energy, construction, those kind of things, materials, mining companies did rather well. Um, and it wasn't a, a particularly knockout year for big tech uh, or for, you know, supposedly growth stocks in America. Um, and for me, the question is always can can growth rotate into value and, you know, the bull market in the indices keep going? Can that rotation happen safely without, um, you know, everything being taken down together? Or as as happened in 2000, uh, will will the, the collapse maybe or the struggles of the tech and growth sectors, especially in America, will those take everything down with it? And those are sort of, you know, obviously there's there's infinite pathways, but those seem like two pretty clear pathways we could go down and there's a pretty big difference between the two whether you you know whether you buy value stocks uh, or whether you simply hold cash in fear and terror i mean i don't know where you stand on this uh, little debate uh i mean look for me it's it's always about the right kind of mix uh between value stocks between you know good growth potential stocks and and then you know throwing in a mix of where you can some that have got a pretty decent uh, yield on them so long as they're not just having a, a high yield on the on the back of uh, their stock price plummeting into the doldrums um, I'm curious actually um, when we talk about growth and value um, you know all, all segments of the market have a good mix of both but um, you know the one of the better performing sectors obviously and, and something we cover a lot here and you cover in detail over the last couple of years is, is the the energy sector in particular green energies and I'm seeing um, a lot of green energy funds start to hit my inbox I think I saw a um, I think I saw there's a, a new green energy fund doing an IPO, I think, looking to list on the London Stock Exchange soon. I saw that pop up on primary bid. Um, what, what's, what's the impact? If there is a if there is a this this rotation from growth to value, is that how's that gonna is that gonna hurt the energy sector? Is that is that going to you know make a whole bunch of you know very select opportunities even more attractive? What's what are your thoughts on how this is gonna play out in the in the energy and green energy sector? Yeah, it's very interesting. And I mean, something we have spoken about before on this podcast uh, and like calls with um, with colleagues at South Bank is the possibility of a sort of a new and old pair trade, whether that's in energy or, or other segments of the market and the sort of transition to to the sustainable future. You can see it in transport, you can see it in food, you can see it in resources uh, and, and energy, obviously, most clearly of all. And the, the characteristics of the new companies that we think are going to populate uh, the systems of the future, you know, green energy, electric vehicles, uh, maybe alternative meats or uh, the different commodities involved in uh, that world compared to the old energy of, you know, petrol cars, fossil fuels, um, industrial meat farming and the, and the rest of it uh, is quite interesting because mostly the new ones are small uh theoretically growth companies they're technology focused they have high valuations and 
high growth, but probably no profits yet, or maybe they're heavily debt laden. And they have the, the classic characteristics of a small cap growth company. Um, whereas the old ones, you know, they have things now, they have revenues and profits and assets uh, with a replacement value um, that's much more measurable. Um, and they have low valuations and, and good dividend yields and whatever. And so, yeah, something we've spoken about on this podcast before for, for a while now is that combining the two is a reasonable diversification. You know, I put the debate to you and you said the first thing you said was it's all about getting the mix right. And interestingly, you know, for the last two years, if you had held, you know, a decent amount of, uh, well, actually, no, for the last two years, if you'd held anything, you should have been green energy stocks, even after a bad 2021, because they did such a brilliant 2020. But having a balance between old energy and new energy would have given you huge capital growth in 2020 with the new energy stocks, great dividends after the pandemic when oil companies were offering 10 or 12 percent, uh, and they've done better this year. And the sort of the opposing characteristics of the two do make for an interesting pair trade. Uh, and so for diversification, that's an interesting one. And it could work with vehicles as well, whether you go electric vehicles and an old school big automaker uh, or something like that. Yeah, I think it's an, it's an interesting um, proposition to mix the old with the new because it feels like, at, I mean, at some point, the great growth companies become value companies anyway. Um, and, and therein if you can get onto them at the right time and, and, and ride them through to that transition that they, they go through. I mean, no, you know, companies maybe except, well, all companies really aimed for profitability. Um, I, won't, I won't name names for those that suspiciously may not be, but <laughs> most companies aim for, for profitability. I mean, that is how they sustain a company long-term. That's how they grow. And, um, you know, a lot of them start out as, as you know, innovative growth companies looking for you know that go through funding rounds and capital raises to try and push their whatever it is that they do to commercialization to achieve profits and return to shareholders and yada 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 um but it's a mix i think for investors of okay well what can we take now that's going to to do that um and so while there is an argument for saying you know now you know big energy and, and mining and, and oil and gas the old school say old school but the um you know the traditional ways of playing that market um are you know deliver some of that stuff now but the question that always runs through my mind is that's fine to a point but then at what point do they still get replaced anyway and so while you might be getting a great yield if your capital is eroding at a rate of knots then that also somewhat limits the yield potential so as I say, you've got, I think investors need to be smart when they play, not just the energy sector, but any sector. If they're, if they're looking, if you're looking to rotate out of, you know, a bunch of growth opportunities that maybe have been floundering a little bit recently, moving them into value, you've got to, you've got to be careful with that move as well, I think, because you might be, you might be jumping ship too soon is basically my point uh, in search of immediate outcomes rather than the original structure and plan that you set in place for some of those positions you might be looking to to wean off um, because ultimately this trend the energy transition the transition to new technologies the implementation of a whole bunch of different uh, challenges to traditional industry will make some of the incumbents outdated and they will struggle and so you might not see great capital appreciation or perhaps capital decline even though they might be still delivering a healthy yield. So while it's important, I think, to have a mix of 
quality yield stocks in your portfolio, you've got to make sure you've balanced out that fact with whether or not they've got longevity anyway, which is always the tricky part with any investment strategy. So, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough to build a portfolio, let alone to maintain and manage one through what's, you know, what is a quite a rocky period in time. Yeah, I mean, it's such a good point and it's such an interesting time to make it because as you say, all the things I described, it might sound good, but, you know, we're in a period where I think we're transitioning to a world where everything is done far more sustainably and, and in, in far, with the climate far more in mind, you know, it's going to come for every single sector, cement, steel, food, agriculture, you know, whatever you want to look at. So really, there are a lot of major companies that are currently value stocks with great dividends that may not be here in 20 years, which is something that, you know, people long assumed they'd be here forever. Um, and you're right, I can speak most, I guess, uh, or I can speak best on the energy sector. And I would, having said, you know, it's a good pair trade, I would urge maybe three things in particular if you're looking to buy fossil fuel stocks. One is that they're currently valued as if they're going to sell all of the oil that they own underground. And at some point, people are going to realize they're not and value them as if they're not. And that is going to be a pretty heartbreaking moment if you're holding those shares. Uh, the next is that people don't actually want to buy them. You know, if half of the pool of investors is refusing to buy them, either because their mandate doesn't allow them to under the new sort of ESG regime, or because like me, they're actually uncomfortable earning profits from, from that, that business. Um, the pool of potential buyers of your stock is lower. Uh, and that maybe has liquidity concerns further down the line, or simply it has price concerns if there are fewer buyers. Um, and the third one is that, you know, there's a lot of people talking about oil supply shortages, and you'll see this a lot in the financial commentary at the moment, and a lot of smugness around the oil calls and, and difficulties transitioning to the new fuels. And, you know, the profits that were made in 2021 by investing in fossil fuel stocks you know, coal is included in that as well. But uh, firstly, there are really a lot of people talking about that now. So it's not exactly a new story. I think it was new when you and I were talking about it halfway through 2020, but in this stage, it's not really. And the other thing is that energy commodities are still energy commodities and they're a great inflation hedge, something we talk about a lot. So energy commodities have historically been one of the best things to hold during inflation, but there is now you know, a whole set of new energy commodities on the block. So you don't have to buy technology and growth stocks to be exposed to the energy transition. There are commodity plays there as well. And they're very interesting. And while the oil and gas crowd are smugly celebrating their 50 to 80% gains last year, lithium prices went up fivefold. And the companies who are trying to mine it were going up 500 to 1000% in a year. Uh, and then you can start looking at cobalt, nickel, rare earth metals, maybe copper as well. Um, and realize that there's a commodity element if you want to play the transition in that with maybe a more value approach or a more commodity focused and inflation aware approach. There are different ways of approaching it. And so even in, in a difficult time, like we're experiencing at the moment, there are very different ways to play the energy transition. Some of them have a strong value bent and also have maybe more of a durable business model over the decades than, than an oil or a gas company. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's you know a very smart uh, a, a smart approach, a very you know, multi-step approach to, to looking at, at this market. And, um, and I would just add probably one other thing is that if, uh, if you're looking to offload stock uh, from you know, that, that move from growth to value, or even if you're looking at some you know, value stocks, 
one of the one of the great measures that you can look is uh, the trend of if it's a loss making company is there a is there a trend towards profitability over a number of years it's a little trickier at the moment because of the disruption to industry over the last couple of years but if you can track a consistent uh, growth trajectory towards that point of where you know company over the coming years could you know hit that profitability mark even though you still might find things like capital raises and, and, and dilution along the way, um, there there is that potential, as I say, for growth stocks to become value stocks, um, and and look at how that they do, how they apportion and invest into innovation and research and development, um, because ultimately, even when a company can be loss making, and in a period like this where you know they're sort of out of favour with the market uh, and with investors. That can often be a great point to find some really good opportunities that over the longer period, heading towards profitability, investing in the right aspects of the business um, in order to, to expand what they do, to improve what they do, and to take their company into the future. That becomes a very great entry point for a lot of stocks that have that quickly turn on the nose when uh, when when the the performance and the the market gets a little rocky, um, the contrarian in me says that while the it, it, it might make a smart approach to look to add more value to your portfolio and by all means have a good mix, um, it also still feels like it's a great time to be picking growth stocks for the future as well. I just can't help it. I don't think, um, but that's that's my take on it anyway. Um, we've gone on for a little while today already. Um, Kit, any any closing remarks you would like to leave our listeners and viewers with before you take a two week uh, break and, and enjoy whatever it is that you're going to do? Uh, no, I think that's all perfect. But a great conversation, Sam. Thank you. No worries. Well, enjoy your time off. Uh, I'll be back again next week with uh, a special guest. I think next week we've got Nick Nikolai Hubble uh, joining us, and we'll talk about who knows what. It's always a fascinating conversation when Nick and I get on the blower together i've known nick for oh god almost a decade now i think um so you know we go way back and and uh, we always have some robust and interesting conversation which no doubt next week we will continue to have so thanks for joining us be sure to tune in with us next week um but that's all from us here at exponential investor and we will see you again soon bye for now <laughs>